Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixing to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today we have another edition of Ryan's Wrestling Recap. It's that time of the month where we talk pro wrestling, which means you know who I have here to talk about the graps. It's my brother. It's Nick. How you doing, man? I'm fantastic. Just rolled out of bed. Feeling great. Um, just watched Caught Up on Dynamite. So uh, we're here to talk some AEW, and I know a little bit of WWE, sadly. But um, all I was a great show, and I can't wait to get into it. That it was, and I can't wait to get into it. So let's not wait any longer and dive right into it. All Out was AEW's most recent pay-per-view taking place on September 5th. Uh, I think we can just say it right out of the bag. It's probably the best pay-per-view wrestling-wise of 2021 so far. Uh, whatever hype it had, whatever hype you thought it had based off of social media or whatnot, it, it far outseated that. And for me personally, I could. there were nine matches on the card, and I think you can kind of divvy it up into sections of three. Um, but before I do that, let me get your first thoughts on all out in general, Nick. Yeah. I mean, um, like you said, definitely probably the best pay-per-view they've done so far. I don't, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that it had like the best match they've ever put on. I still think, um, I like it's close. The tag team match between the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. Uh, definitely one of the best tag matches, if not the best tag matches um, that they've ever put on. But I still think that Young, Young Bucks first, uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega was a fantastic match, and I have a bias. So, um, But still, Steel Cage and everything that went down in that match made it so fantastic. And even the... Well, what really did it for me uh, on this pay-per-view compared to any other pro wrestling pay-per-views that have gone on this entire year uh, were two things. And, and that has almost nothing to do with the wrestling, because if you put this on a, you know, in, into a vacuum, um, honestly, it, the wrestling matches themselves, they were good. They were strong, but they didn't, they weren't like, blow me away matches except for that tag match of course but it was the booking and it was the crowd that really put this one over this crowd and aw's crowd has been like this for at least a month or two if not longer now uh they are always rowdy non-stop getting into every single match uh except for you know here and there a couple matches on dynamite where they you know they just don't have it but uh, on this pay-per-view specifically, just all over the card, rowdy, getting into the matches. And that really, like, that has a huge effect on, like, I at least I think, the fans' perspective. Because it really shows, like, the fans at home that they, like, you get the feeling that the, the crowd in audience likes what they're seeing just by them getting rowdy. And it just gives you a good feeling of what you're watching. And then secondly, obviously the booking, uh, a lot of the decisions, like specifically, uh, 
the Young Bucks losing the titles to the Lucha Bros, uh, who should have, you know, been champions uh, as soon as they were signed, if we're being honest, the talent they have. Uh, but across the whole pay-per-view, a lot of the booking decisions, you know, Miro going over, I really love what he's been doing. Um, even though he's been fighting jobbers, uh, at sooner or later, he will get a big match, and I think that really will pay off. Did you just call Eddie Kingston a jobber? Well, um, I'm morally talking about Fuego del Sol, and uh, <laughs> I did. Yes, I, I, I know. I know I mean, where you were going with that, but yes. <laughs> I mean, listen, Eddie Kingston's not a jobber, obviously, but um, you know, I mean, at, at the same time, he's no stud necessarily. I know he's been teaming with Moxley, but he's kind of just Moxley's lapdog. But uh, like uh, I said, booking, he's going to tell you to redeem these nuts after that comment. Yeah, well, that T-shirt was fantastic. So I'll give you a chance to give your thoughts now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think you could really split it, the card up into three sections of three. Those first three matches with Miro and Benny Kingston opening up the show for the TNT Championship, followed by John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima, who is coming over from New Japan, and then Dr. Britt Baker, D. M D defending against the undefeated Chris Statlander. They were all really good, but not great. So it kind of was like, it was kind of just slowly, but surely warming you up for what was to come later on in the show. Then you get into that, the meat of the show, the middle of it, and you get that steel cage match that you were talking about for the AEW world tag team championships, the Lucha brothers going over the young bucks to end the, the bucks reign as champs. Everything about that match was damn near perfect. Yeah, and I I 100% agree with you in terms of that being one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. The only other match that I can even think about would be the one that you referenced, that being the Young Bucks versus Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega, and the Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi from a couple years ago in California on a new Japan show. Um, but yeah, this was un- just an instant classic one for the record books. Uh, the, the Lucha brothers entrance was just gave me chills, like absolute goosebumps. Like it almost like gave the end result away, but the match was so dang good. You couldn't even figure out you, you didn't, you didn't know what the, was going to happen at the end. And then, yeah, that- that's what I was going to say when that I saw their entrance, I was like, Oh, well, I mean, they're winning now. Like they're not going to come out to, you know, somebody, their, their, uh, their music being literally played live and all the big theatrics just, you know, fucking lose. So they, uh, I knew it was over, but I also knew it was probably going to be a fantastic match. So it didn't really matter anyways. And that's when, you know, you're putting on good content is when you could pretty much give away the freaking uh, finish and ending to the match and still have it be the uh, best match in the card. Exactly. And then you move on to the Casino Battle Royale for where it featured 21 women competing for a future Women's World Championship match. You had an outstanding field, and the Joker, the last entrant, is the debuting Ruby Soho, who won the dang thing by eliminating Thunder Rosa at the end. I thought Thunder Rosa was going to win this one to set up uh, a rematch between the, the good doctor, Britt Baker, and Thunder Rosa herself. They had that incredible lights-out match on Dynamite uh, months ago. 
And I thought they were that this was going to be the catalyst to kind of set up the rematch. But they go with Ruby Soho here. And I honestly don't hate it. I think it might be a little bit quick to, you know, shoot her into the title picture. But if they think that she's an impact player, that's someone that's someone that's going to really put the women's division on the map for them, then so be it. Run with it. And then Chris Jericho, MJF, not exactly the greatest technical masterpiece of all time. But I mean, MJF doing springboard moonsaults, just trying to do whatever it took to end the in-ring career of Chris Jericho. The false finish had me. I'm not going to lie. I, I shouldn't have fallen for it. But when when they did the fake three count and Jericho's leg was on the on the ropes and they did then they did the whole referee thing where, oh, these this other ref that just so happened to be ringside saw. Uh, what the actual ref inside the ring didn't see and had them restart the match. I was like, ah, we know where this is going. And Chris Jericho wins after all that. But, uh, and then you get into like the last three matches. You get CM Punk and his in-ring return seven years away from the business. And he's going up against young and upstart Darby Allen. And yes, Punk goes over here. I think it was a decision that you had to do because if you lose, if Punk loses, where does he go from here? Other than he's just starting from the bottom and there's just, you have to play the storyline of, oh, he just doesn't really have it anymore almost. So I was happy with, with the decision there and it was just great to see him back in the ring. Definitely not his best match by a long shot, but for where he's at and for how long he was away, that's a pretty solid start, I think, for him. Then you had that bathroom break filler match between Paul White and QT Marshall. Enough said. And then the main event, Cody, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship. The match itself was good but not great, which was kind of a theme for a lot of the matches. Good, really good, but not, not fantastic like the steel cage match was. But then what happened at the conclusion of the main event is what the wrestling world was talking about. And we'll get the end to that in a little bit. But uh, let, let, me, let me get a couple things from you, Nick. What was your favorite match of the night? I think we were in agreement that it's probably the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks match. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no need to waste any time. I mean, it was, it was very clearly the best match on the card. Uh, so... Uh, I, I I would rather give a little spotlight um, to what Miro and Eddie Kingston did at the beginning of the show, uh, kicking it off. Uh, really, like I said earlier, I, I really am enjoying Miro, uh, what he's doing right now. Also, you know, super happy that he's succeeding right now as a champion uh, over on this brand where, you know, he didn't really have too much success on his previous you know, brand. But um like I said before, I think uh, they're really building up strong. And once they give them like a, a top tier opponent somewhere down the line, uh, like that, that's going to be a fantastic feud. I hope they give them like a long term feud. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Eddie Kingston, but uh, somebody else will probably come in. I couldn't really tell you. They have so much, so much talent that it really could be anybody because uh, they have so many top level talent. So, um, but, 
I, I think what they're looking to do is they're just looking to put Miro as like a Goliath. And then, I mean, maybe, maybe they run a long-term feud with the David. And I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be really good. So we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, crowd was great in that first match as you expected it to be. Uh, and so I really enjoyed what they did there. So uh, shout out to those boys for kicking off a great show. Yeah. And what would you say would be your favorite moment of the show? I know you could, there were so many to choose from, but if you had to sort of pinpoint one, what would it be? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's going to be what we're what we're about to talk about. It that's at the very end now. It's just which person am I going to pick? Um, uh, I got to be honest. Uh, I I had more of a hunch that um, that Brian Danielson was going to show up than Adam Cole. So when Adam Cole showed up, I kind of popped like a mark. Um, and even when Brian Danielson did, I did too. But like. Brian kind of made sense because of the rumors that we had heard. And you kind of figured that at some point um, Adam Cole would find his way over, but I just didn't, I, I didn't expect it to be so soon. Uh, so when he came out, that was like, uh, I actually like yelled out loud. So that was really cool. Um, so that was probably my favorite, favorite moment of it. And, and you know that like, you know, they're going to take advantage of the crowd pop. And then they are going to have him team up with the elite. So uh, it's just so well done. So uh, shout out that uh, shout out Adam Cole, baby. Yeah. Uh, I, if we're talking outside of the surprise appearances, which we'll get to in just a moment here, I would say the moment, my favorite moment was the end of the Jericho MJF match, just for the sole reason of they got me. And I honestly, for a few moments, thought I had just watched Chris Jericho's in-ring career end before my very eyes. So shout out to them for selling the crap out of that because when Jericho got played to the ring by his Fozzie bandmate and was getting all teary-eyed over it and then actually took a, a, a three count at the end, I was like, wow, he's actually losing. He actually lost. Oh, swerve. So kudos to those two for a job well done. But let's let's talk about all of the surprise appearances. You just got into a couple of them with, with Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. But there were a couple others on the card as well. The first being Minoru Suzuki coming over from New Japan after John Moxley had defeated Satoshi Kojima. Mizuru Suzuki comes out. And confronts Moxley. They had battled previously in New Japan, but he came stateside to confront Moxley again. It was a really cool moment. The Chicago crowd was super into it, and I I was all for it. I don't know about you, Nick. Oh yeah, I mean, um, I, I I just think it's funny. I guess they're really doing the the runaround with Moxley and all the New Japan wrestlers. Uh, so we'll see how long that goes, but I mean, it kind of makes sense if you're trying to you know, integrate and build up a relationship, but as we know, following all out, uh, the Suzuki incident <laughs> as it's being, uh, named on Twitter, which has produced so many good memes. I don't know if you've seen them. Uh, I imagine you probably have, but where it's like, um, 
uh, somebody does like a fake quote of what somebody like, for example, like Hulk Hogan uh, would say about the Suzuki incident and they make it like real dramatic and they post like a picture of like Hogan doing uh, an interview. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's made good content and they've tried to, you know, make up for it, acknowledging it on this past dynamite, but you know, Suzuki's a son, a bad son of a bitch, man. And he's gonna, uh, when, when they give Mox and him some actual time, uh, they will put on a very hard hitting match. And, uh, like I mentioned, they, they've made some steps to, to do that already by booking, uh, that tag match with Lance Archer and, uh, Suzuki against Mox and Kingston. So, um, trying to, you know, make up for what they did uh, last week uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium next week. So, um, you know, Suzuki being there is a big deal. I mean, he's a legend over in New Japan. Uh, so they're going to, you know, they're going to, they should benefit very highly from having him over there. And hopefully it's just the first of many other big time New Japan stars that we get to see in AEW. Because, uh, you know, there's some of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, so them getting a, a live national TV platform, of course, in the USA uh, is, uh, you know, it's it's just good for the business. Yeah. And I'll be just as excited to see when AEW stars head over to Japan. Obviously, COVID needs to improve over in Japan before that can happen as they're still in a state of emergency in Japan, which is requiring two week quarantine for anyone that enters the country from outside of the country border. So that just makes traveling in and out damn near impossible um, without sacrificing weeks at a time of your schedule. Uh, So hopefully they'll, they'll get that. They'll sort of improve on that front and we can see, start to see more kind of intermingling between the brands aside from just some new Japan stars coming over to the States for AEW and impact. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked, I talked about Ruby Soho. She was the Joker in the casino battle Royale. What went on to win the match? Uh, I, I think this is a really big deal for the women's division in AEW uh, based on Ruby Soho's previous work in the independence before she went over to WWE. I think she can definitely kind of step up and elevate the women's division, as I was saying earlier. And I don't think she'll be the last one to come over from the WWE side and kind of help raise the stakes, raise the game of the women's division here in AEW. Um, But for now, I think this is a a character that they and a wrestler that can really make a splash here in AEW. I mean, yeah, uh, she was signed there for a reason. She, you know, they she's billed as an 11 year veteran for a reason. She's got all the talent in the world, and you saw in the beginning of her career, as we do with pretty much everybody that WWE signs and sends to NXT. Um, but like so many others, just brutalized and dominated by Vince McMahon on the main roster. Uh, so definitely the uh, the the future is bright. For Ruby Soho, and I mean, I thought the decision for her to win the Battle Royal was pretty obvious. I mean, they don't have really a lot of depth, and I think it kind of makes a statement 
in a way to WWE indirectly saying, hey, you know, if you're not going to give your talent, you know, a real shot and you're not going to, you know, give them what they deserve and showcase their talent and you're going to let them go. I mean, we're going to take the your talent and we're going to broadcast it on our our show and kind of make you feel like a piece of shit for letting go. And so I think indirectly, that's what they're aiming to do. Obviously, they're never going to say it and they're probably not even doing it. But I think, you know, that's a fun little wrinkle to think about. Um, but I mean, definitely, we're going to see what Ruby Soho's got. And I think we know uh, what she's capable of. So it'll be real exciting to see what she can do. And then finally, you had the, the last two that you mentioned, Adam Cole, Bebe, and Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, both making their AEW debuts after the main event wrapped up. Uh, Adam Cole had me. I've, I thought for a second when he confronted them uh, that it was – and he super kicked Jungle Boy. I was like, oh, He's going to sucker the elite into thinking that he's on their side and that he's going to turn on them. Not to be. So, not to be. Uh, but the one who did confront the elite after all was one Brian Danielson. I did not expect both of them to come out at, and sh- make their appearances uh, at All Out. I thought they'd say Brian Danielson for the Arthur Ashe show, which is next week. Um, I, I had no idea what if Adam Cole was going to come over or not. I figured he would just based off of the fact that they had teased it on Twitter and they had teased things before with wrestlers coming over and uh, that trend continued in this case. But like you said, a job well done here with uh, Adam Cole and Brian Danielson's debuts. Adam Cole's already made his mark. Uh, he had his in-ring debut. Uh, against Frankie Kazarian on Dynamite uh, this week. And we're already set up for two humongous matches featuring the two of them. Adam Cole is going to be teaming up with the Young Bucks in a trios match, bringing back the Super Click to take on the team of Jurassic Express and Christian Cage, who is still, I believe, Impact World Champion. People are going to forget about that now that he's not going to be in the main event spot of AEW. Uh, and then the big one at Arthur Ashe, it's going to be Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. And for now, it's not for the AEW World Championship. They could change that on the fly, but I don't think they will. I think no. it'll be a non-title match just so that they can have Omega lose to Brian and not lose the title. Um, yeah, but those are two humongous matches that they have set up in the coming future, and I cannot wait. Yeah, that Arthur Ashe Stadium show looks like it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm almost upset with myself for not trying to go, but uh, um, it's and, and and the rampage that Friday is also a two hour show, uh, so they have a. They have a lot of good content coming next week, so time to buckle up. Yep. So I think all in all, I got to ask you one final question about All Out. Where would you say this pay-per-view ranks 
in terms of best pay-per-views ever? Would it would you immediately put it in like your top twenty, top ten? Like Ugh. I know yeah. it's it, I know it's really tough to to kind of car- compartmentalize this thing when you've got decades of wrestling pay-per-views, right. but like if you could just give me a, a shoot number off top, where would you put this one in your personal well, rankings? As we've established, I mean, this was the best AEW pay-per-view. Agreed. Um, but as far as all pay-per-views, I mean, it's really hard to compete with some of the like the top-tier WrestleManias. So, I mean, shoot number off the top of my head, I'd say probably like yeah, I, I would say it's somewhere just outside of the top ten. Um which I mean still like really good. But I that's mean, amazing. I, yeah. Well that's that's why I made sure to emphasize that. But I mean it's at the same time, I don't think it's in discussion for, you know, a top top pay-per-view of all time because i mean beforehand you got like pay-per-views like wrestlemania 17 and wrestlemania 25 and 26 that just have you know up up and down great cards great matches great bookings great crowds and and but mainly like some of the best matches of all time so it's really tough to compete with that true i i would agree my for me definitely i think this one slots in somewhere around that top 10 range uh, so I think we're both in agreement there, actually. Like, yes, there are the WrestleManias. Honestly, some of the NXT takeovers, like the like the top tier, like the best of the best of NXT takeovers are, are some of the ones that I, came to mind for me in terms of where you would kind of slot this in around. And so top 10 just came to mind for me. I really think in the past, like 15 to 20 years, outside of, of maybe a handful or a couple of WrestleManias, the only thing that is on par with what I witnessed at All Out is NXT takeovers. And maybe yeah. I'm being a prisoner of the moment there, but I really don't think I am. I really just think that from top to bottom, this card outside of the one little filler match uh, right before the main event was just really good at a bare minimum. Yeah, takeovers are tough to compete with because, uh, I mean, they're 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 such smaller shows. I mean, they give their matches, you know, a long time each. But yeah, four or five matches on a takeover, and they're all like fantastic. It's really it's really hard to compete with that. Yeah, and that now it begs the question: with all out kind of in the rearview mirror, Arthur Ashe kind of up next and then eventually they'll start the build to full gear in November. Who is going to be the next person to walk through the door? Not the forbidden door. You can, you can answer that one, I guess, if you want to, but who's going to be the next big signing for AEW? Do you think? No. So I'm trying to think of people that are like currently like um, even rumored or even have the chance and i know bray wyatt's out there but uh i i just i i worry about whether AEW actually pulls the trigger on that 
Same thing with like Braun Strowman. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Braun Strowman never wrestles again. Uh, I don't know what his passion for the industry is, but um, from what I've read, he's uh, a difficult person to negotiate and deal with. So yeah, I I would tend to agree with you on that one. Uh, I I my Bray Wyatt was the first one that came to mind for me, and what really confirmed that was the other day, or maybe it was this morning. I saw. Uh, a tweet from Matt Hardy with him, Bray Wyatt, and and Matt Hardy's son Maxwell, and it, and Bray Wyatt replied to the tweet. So huh. I don't want to say. I mean, it's just a tweet, but we've seen some sort of foreshadowing from AEW superstars on Twitter before. So this is true. I would probably say before him, just Peyton Royce. Um, I was really hoping the Iconics were going to be coming over uh, and they were going to be the ones that would debut on the first ever Rampage. Yeah, I mean, I still think at some point they'll show. Uh, I don't don't think that's too far away. Yeah, Uh, I'm hopeful for that. But uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't sprinkle in a little bit of WWE into this Ryan's wrestling recap, even though Nick Hates the E, but one E he does not hate, or at least he better not hate, is Big E. And that's yeah, uh, just the member of the New Day. He's Mr. Money in the Bank no more because he called his shot on Twitter. And he, on this past Monday Night Raw, he cashed in his Money in the Bank contract, became the new WWE champion, defeating the previous champion, Bobby Lashley after Lashley successfully defended against Randy Orton in the main event. Uh, let me get your quick thoughts on that. Big E is the new champ. Well, I mean, this was a long time coming. Um, definitely something that needed to happen and you knew was going to happen as soon as they gave him the briefcase. But, um, but um, really happy for Big E. Uh, Great moment for him. I just, you know, I wish it was at a pay-per-view. Uh, but what are you going to do? It's cash in. It's got to be, it's got to be on the spot random, even though he literally like before the show is like, Hey, uh, I'm going to cash in tonight. And then like actually cash in tonight. And that's becoming like a new trend that I'm seeing is like, they're playing around with kayfabe in the fourth wall and stuff. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like we're going to do this tonight. And you're like, in your head, you're supposed to think, Oh, dude, that means they're not going to do this tonight. And then, like, they actually do it tonight, and it's like a big deal. Not to say that this wasn't a big deal, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm starting yeah. to, feel, I feel like that starts to happen a, a little more often as of late. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was your, it was a classic cashing. And, you know, they, uh, it was awesome to see Kofi and, uh, and Woods come out for him. And, uh, celebrating with him in the ring and they even gave him a bunch of pyro and stuff too. Um, I, I always consider Bobby Lashley to be like a placeholder champion anyways. Uh, not that he had necessarily like the worst reign as champion, but uh, I always kind of figured they were set using him to set up something, you know, more long-term. Um, and, you know, this is what, this is what they decided to do. I, I think Biggie and Bobby Lashley could put on a, a pretty good feud. So um, 
I don't know what exactly they have planned going for, but you know, I'd like to see maybe if they stick this through and have those two go at it again um, on a pay-per-view too big. It'll be really interesting to see where Bobby Lashley goes from here. Obviously he's got the lingering Goldberg rematch, which will probably be a crown jewel in October. Uh, But hopefully we'll get a rematch between Lashley and Big E first. Maybe at Extreme Rules. We'll see. Um, the other big thing that I want to talk about is NXT kind of relaunching as NXT 2.0. Uh, and it featured a whole new arena look at the CWC. It featured several up-and-coming talents from the develop the Performance Center. And... In the main event, we saw Tommaso Ciampa become a two-time NXT champion by winning a fatal four-way over LA Knight, Pete Dunne, and this guy named Von Wagner, which who replaced Kyle O'Reilly, who had to be taken out due to a prior... Uh, uh, he was attacked uh, before the match. Uh, and Classic. this... This match was supposed to be an initially a number one contenders match featuring those four, uh, but it became for it became a match for the vacant NXT championship after Samoa Joe, who had just won the championship, was forced to vacate the title due to quote injury. Don't know when he got hurt, how he got hurt. Jesus, dude, I okay. For, sorry, I didn't know that. So, like, Samoa Joe being hurt, like, what is wrong with this man? Either like he's like the worst wrestler of all time, or like the or the, the you know this is like a you know not a real injury. This is like a storyline injury. This dude uh, gets actually hurt all the time. It's ridiculous. I'm convinced this is not an injury at all. I'm convinced yeah. that Triple H is. Le- I know he I, technically. I believe Triple H is still in charge, but no, I thought he lost control. Uh, I thought he did too, but then I saw other. Uh, articles that said otherwise. So I really don't know what to believe, but judging by how the NXT title has been uh, handled, I'm now of the belief that Triple H had power up until the final takeover or this most recent takeover. So his last kind of FU to Vince was to put the strap on Samoa Joe. And when that happened and Vince took control. He said, I'm not having Samoa Joe as champion. Get him out. So what do they make him do? Vacate the title due to a, some medical thing. That's messed up. That's that's I, I, I'm not saying that I know this for certain. I'm just that is just the vibe that I get because it, I did not see anything in that match that would have said that he was hurt. Uh, in his when he beat carrying cross for the title, he just looked really winded and out of shape. But when you haven't done a professional wrestling match in a year and a half, I really can't blame you. Yep. Um, but so I, I'm not really sure what's going on there. But the whole NXT 2.0 launch episode was just smack dab filled with all these brand new competitors. It was almost too much, if you ask, if you ask me. Um, yeah, you mentioned the best part is we got uh, Scott Steiner's, uh, what is this, a nephew or something? 
Did you not know about this? One? Ron Brecker. Oh, Braun. Oh, that's, Braun that's Scott Bre- Steiner's. That's Scott Steiner's nephew. Oh, okay. No wonder they're pushing him to the moon. Because not only did he beat one of the challengers for the NXT championship uh, in LA night to start the show, then he confronted Champa with the championship at the to close the show as NXT yeah. faded to black. So mm-hmm. they're pushing that guy to the moon, uh, it, it would seem. And I almost feel bad for Ciampa. It almost seems like they just gave him the title just to say that he could be a two-time uh, NXT champion who was, who's never been beaten for the belt, only uh, to put over the, the new hot superstar on the block. Yeah, he's, he's not holding on to that title long, sadly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm... That now, now that after all the rumors have been is taken over NXT, yeah, it's off. It's off my DVR. That's all. That's all I'll say. Yeah, um, I'm gonna give NXT 2.0 a chance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep tuning in for the time being, but I was was not too thrilled with what I saw. Uh, the matches were fine, but it just nothing really stood out as just, it was just, there's just, maybe I have to, it's just a matter of just got to give these, these guys a chance to develop. But a lot of these, these talents are just green, especially on the character front. Like there are some that are like, okay, like uh, the diamond mind has uh, these, these brothers that are just psychos in the ring and they're, they're amateur wrestling. Uh, but their characters are that they're just literally lunatics and they'll just slap each other in the face to psych each other up before they p- absolutely pummel their opponents. Like, all right, that's that's something to work with at the start until they actually develop real characters. But some of these other ones that they, they uh, showcased didn't really do it for me. Um, so I think it's a wait-and-see approach on NXT 2.0, but I'm definitely... Definitely not sure how I feel about it right now. And then moving over to the SmackDown side of things, Roman Reigns recently retained the Universal Championship over Finn Balor on the September 3rd edition of SmackDown. Uh, That was after the Usos ambushed him pre-match. But now we will be getting the Demon Balor, who we have not seen for couple of years probably wrestlemania 35 yeah it sounds right maybe yeah wrestlemania 35 sounds right um he's gonna challenge as the demon balor against roman reigns at extreme rules uh on september the 26th but then roman reigns it's already been announced he's facing brock lesnar at crown jewel october the 21st yeah, I mean it's classic WWE. They're overbooking, you know, ruining the predictability. I mean, that they are the worst, and they've always been the worst at, um, you know, keeping you on your toes and actually like making you wonder what the finish of a match is going to be. They're just so predictable with their booking. Um, so this was not a surprise either. So, I mean. And Demon Balor will get a little shine, and then he'll get probably squashed. No, I, I, I don't want to say squashed, but he's going to get smashed by Roman Reigns, and then you know we'll never hear from Finn Balor for like another 
three years because it'll get buried. Um, but I don't know. Um, not too optimistic about how that turns out uh, for Ballard. And who knows? Maybe it'll be a, a, a pretty good match. I'd like to think it'll be a pretty good match itself. But um, with Brock Lesnar around the corner, I've already got a salty, uh, salty taste in my mouth. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be like a one-sided affair between Reigns and the Demon. I mean, the Demon has only lost one match in his entire in WWE uh, tenure, and that was uh, his last match in NXT to Samoa Joe. Uh, otherwise, the Demon has been virtually untouchable in the world of WWE. Uh, so this per- this really is an interesting turning point for both superstars, Roman Reigns in particular, because uh, where do you, if they're, if WWE is feeding the demon Balor to Reigns over a year into his title reign and Reigns cleanly beats the demon, I I, I don't, I really don't know who is going to take out Roman and dethrone him for champion. But I want, that's a question that I want to ask you, Right now, who do you think is going to be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship now that the Money in the Bank contract is out of the picture? You're not going to like this answer, but the answer is nobody. They don't have anybody that I could see being worthy, almost as Roman Reigns would say, to to win the title from him. I I, I seriously don't. Um, I'm thinking to myself who they even have in contention, and I'm thinking of all the people that have faced Roman so far, like Cesaro and Kevin Owens, um, even Jey Uso, which is sad that they, they even had to run that storyline because they don't have enough elite like singles talent or something. Um, I mean, listen, I'd like to think they're not going to be that stupid and, and have you know a part-timer like Lesnar or Goldberg you know, beat him for the title. And then as far as like who they have signed long term, unless I'm forgetting about somebody like really big, uh, I I really don't see anybody and nobody pops into mind that I could think of that I could really realistically say, oh man, they might they might actually give this guy a push. Uh, see, I I just when you say it it won't be a part timer, you have to remember the history of WWE Undertaker's streak went to part-timer Brock Lesnar. And was that the right decision? It probably was because it put it made Brock Lesnar that much more of a draw than he already was. It made him this, this untouchable beast in the eyes of the WWE universe. So I think that one was correct. The other one that you have to remember is that when The Fiend first won the Universal Championship from Seth Rollins, a couple months later, he loses to Goldberg. And that was just an incredible swing and a miss uh, just so that they could have one more Goldberg uh, little championship run. Absolutely stupid. Uh, So the way I would answer the question at hand is I think, I think there's one person it should be, but I think there's one person it will be the person who should be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns and end his championship run is drew mcintyre he had his wrestlemania moment taken away from him 
because of COVID and the pandemic that set in and caused WrestleMania 36 to be, or yeah, WrestleMania 36 to be at the performance center in front of no fans. Then when he wins the championship in front of no fans, he loses the championship in front of no fans. Yes, he got it back, but by the time that fans returned, he had already lost it again and had was pursuing it. Then at WrestleMania 37, he had that chance to have his WrestleMania moment and win back the WWE Championship in front of 25,000 fans, and it didn't happen. He's really cooled off as of late. Uh, I don't, I can't, I, I can't really envision seeing them push him hard to the top again and put him over him. I just, I don't know if this were like back when he won the title, maybe like, maybe I'd give you that, but man, he's, I mean, he's really cooled off. He was just, he was just in a feud with Jinder Mahal, dude. Like that's bottom of the barrel. No. And I understand that, but that's not a him problem. That's because WWE is stupid and literally can't find a suitable companion for him to have a non-title feud with. That's that's the problem with WWE is they have so many championships that if you're not in a title feud, it is almost impossible for you to have TV consistent TV time in a consistent feud. You get the exceptions, which is Edge and Seth Rollins right now, which is just gold. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot going on that doesn't involve a championship in WWE, and that sucks. Um, yep. But... You, but in terms of McIntyre and Reigns, they've already faced each other in a champion versus champion match back at Survivor Series of 2020, where Reigns toppled McIntyre with a little help from an Uso or two. So you already have that built in history. If you go back even further, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre faced off at WrestleMania 35 with Reigns overcoming him. So there's a built-in story there of McIntyre can't beat uh, Roman Reigns and he is really owed, or maybe owed isn't the wrong word, but he he kind of, it feels like he's just due that one big moment in front of the fans after what he did with the WWE Championship during the pandemic era. So with no fans. So that's who I feel like it should be now that Big E is is WWE champion and no longer a threat to Reigns uh, is title who I think it will be. And you're going to hate this. It's Brock Lesnar because of the reasons I already stated the fact that he was the one to beat the undertaker streak. And I honestly wouldn't put it past WWE to have him be the one to take out Roman Reigns and set up a longer title feud. Yeah, I hate I hate everything about that. So, I, I I'm not even gonna make a comment about that. <laughs> yeah, I I figured I figured as much, um, but I I really think the Roman Reigns Demon Balor match should be should be really good. But if you if Balor loses and if Balor loses clean, uh, I imagine his his days in WWE are going to be coming to a close. Well, you also got to remember. Uh, as Roman Reigns reign as a top heel, his actual the actual quality of the wrestling matches, I mean, it just it takes a dive because of heel antics. You know, it's 
it's not fast paced action. It's just, he walks in there and he smashes them and it's very slow paced and methodical. So, uh, it, you kind of, I, it kind of got to tamper your expectations a little bit because of that aspect of it. Sure. But I, I really think overall his match quality has been, has been good at the very least. I oh mean, yeah. I mean, it's not been bad. The, the match with Cesaro, like wasn't my personal favorite, but it was very good. The the mania triple threat with Daniel Bryan and Edge was outstanding. Uh, the the match with John Cena wasn't as as great as I would have hoped it would have been, but it was what it was. Uh, so I I really do think Roman Reigns is capable of having like really great matches. It's it's just whether or not they have the time and. Uh, the the right opponent lined up to make it happen. Uh, like even the first J the not the first the second J Uso match uh, in has inside Hell in a Cell I quit was was great I thought um, because of the storyline that that played into it. Um, so I I really think that that Roman Reigns I understand tempered expectations because it is inside a WWE ring but I really think that. Reigns and Balor, if they were let loose, could have an absolute banger of a match. It's just whether or not they're allowed to do it. Um, but yeah, my main concern is that Reigns beats the Demon King clean, and then they just let Brock Lesnar take take all the momentum away in one swift return. And that just, I, I, I really just hope they don't do that. But as we start to wind down here, uh, there is one more segment I do want to do before we wrap up here, and that is to have us a little bit of a snake draft. Uh, we're going to do this in regards to wrestling theme songs. So me and Nick are going to draft ourselves a squad of five songs, five theme songs that we think are the best uh, theme songs, uh, maybe not of all time, but in our personal opinions. Uh, so obviously, once one of one of us takes a song, that's off the board. And yeah, we'll um, disclaimer: uh, I do not want to be held responsible for undoubtedly forgetting uh, <laughs> like certain uh, theme songs and then thinking about them and remembering it after the fact, but. Uh, I uh, just want to put that little, you know, that little <laughs> disclaimer and small writing in there. Yeah. And obviously we would have loved to have DS uh, here to do Rip. this with us, but he's in parts unknown. So I uh, guess he couldn't make it from there in time for this. So it'll just be you and me, Nick, if DS wants to pick from the scraps and there will be plenty to choose from, from said scraps, but uh, for now, it'll be just you and me with a pick of the loot. Uh, and I will be a gracious host. First pick will be yours. Damn. Um, well, I mean, you're, you're not going to like this one. I, I mean, I feel like uh, for me, it's got to be a CM Punk's cult of personality, living color. I mean, I uh, hate you. The, first of all, the songs of banger. I play that song, Guitar Hero 3. Um, it was always one of my favorite songs in the game. So, I mean, it, since 2008, 
um, it's never been a bad song to listen to. So, um, I mean, I, and the way the crowd reacts to that song, both when punk was in WWE and now in AEW is just incredible. So that's number one for me, man. I feel like you also did that just so that I couldn't have that too much. I mean, yeah. You had to see it coming when you gave up uh, the first pick, you dummy. Yeah, I was just really hoping you uh, wouldn't do that to me, but uh, here we are. So uh, I've got back-to-back picks here. My first one is going to be really obvious. Uh, I think you know where I'm going. It's going to be Edge's theme song, Metalingus. That's another just absolute just banger of a song. Just hits you smack dab in the face right off the the bat. The actual song by Alter Bridge. I mean, it's a a really good song. So Yeah. Uh, My second pick is not so obvious you know i could go with a classic uh, i could go with one of the old school ones a john cena stone cold something along those lines i think i'm actually going to go with an, uh, a more modern day one uh i am gonna go with kenny omega and his new japan theme devil sky yeah that's uh, a good I I just think it's it's an amazingly epic theme song, and I wish he could have taken that with him to AEW, but I, you know you, that's just not how that things work like that. Um, I think his current theme, the Battle Cry, is the next best thing that he could have gotten. Uh, but his his New Japan theme was amazing, so yeah. I'm gonna go with Kenny Omega. Devil Sky. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Stone Cold's glass shattering. I mean, when you hear the glass shatter, I mean, you know, shit's about to go down. So um, for me, just it's almost the glass shattering. <laughs> it's such a simple like theme song, but it's just so good. Like it, it's so good. Uh, it really gets the energy levels up. And uh, then I'm gonna go with Judas, uh, Chris Jericho <sighs> theme. Uh, I can't remember the last time I've ever consistently heard a crowd sing along to a theme song every single time somebody comes out to the ring uh, or, or even just the stage. Uh, it, it's incredible. Um, and I want to be a part of it so bad uh, one time. So hopefully you can make that happen. But I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it's such a good song before even like the fans were singing and I was singing in the car. I mean, Fozzie's a good – I recommend Fozzie a lot. They're a great band. Hmm. I definitely was probably going to take Judas if you didn't, so uh, good pick there. Uh, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself an, an old-school song in there for me. It's going to be – I'll take The Undertaker's theme here. Obviously, what? there's no lyrics. There's no singing along or anything, but when you, hit, when you hear that gong – there it's just iconic do you like you like gongs bro like this is top this is top five theme songs it's 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 iconic theme songs i'm just saying man i'm just saying church boy nah the other one that i'm gonna go with and this is more of a, a uh this is this is kind of along the lines of you picking Ju- why you picked Judas. I'm picking Shinsuke Nakamura in the Rising Ooh. Sun yeah. because that is another 
outstanding song to just not so much sing along to, but it's just belt out the, the chorus to. And because there's there really isn't so much in terms of lyrics, but it just everyone belts out the sort of sound of the chorus. So give me Shinsuke Nakamura's theme. All right, and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up with uh, with uh, Gangrel's theme, that uh, the one that Edge came out to at SummerSlam. Uh, <laughs> always, uh, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's always... How like, can always- you get on me for The Undertaker theme song when you pick Gangrel? Bro, you picked a gong. I, there's this is a, there's actually some like other like instrumental in this uh, in this theme song, bro. The, the, up, the little eerie feeling with the build up, and then it hits you with the wow, wow, like you know the the electric guitar, bro. Like, the Undertaker is the same thing, just nah, different sound uh, effects. It's yeah. Well, the sound effects are trash. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So now the truth comes out. You just don't like the Undertaker's theme song. That's all you had to say. You didn't have no. to make excuses. You just had to just I, come out I, and say, I don't like the Undertaker's theme song. Yeah, I don't really like his entrance. It takes too long. I don't have the patience for that. Get to the <laughs> ring, right, the old fuck. Um, my last one, uh, you're definitely not going to see it coming. It just popped in my head, but I used to blast this all the time. Um, main Event Mafia. Their theme was so good. Uh when they were uh, the main event mafia, obviously being in, in impact um, throwback to that combo of sting, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, Magnus, AKA Nick Aldis and uh, rampage Jackson. That was the, the second iteration of the main event mafia. I think, I think Booker T might've been in the first one actually uh, way back in TNA's beginning days, but um the main event mafia theme is a banger, and it, it, it's I'm, I'm all into you know high, high. Uh, oh, I was gonna say high pitch. That's not what I was looking for. Like fast paced, you know, get that ass out to the ring, boy. Get some fire, fire music along with them, and give me a good match. You know, that's 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 what I'm looking for in these in these theme songs. All right. I'll give you the main event mafia one. That was one that was not on my radar, but that's definitely a fair one to throw into the conversation. My fifth one is going to be kind of along the same lines of, of mine in terms of that epicness. And that is going to be the Lucha bros new most recent theme song, zero miedo. That, I mean, we, I, I mentioned how just th- their entrance at all out just gave me the chills and it, that, that, that theme song is 90% of it. So uh, give me the Lucha Bros most recent theme song. Mm. So recap, you have CM Punk and Cult of Personality. You got Stone Cold and the, the Glass Shattering, Chris Jericho with Judas, Gangrel's theme and the Main Event Mafia theme. I've got Edge and Metalingus, Kenny Omega, Devil's Sky, I'm taking The Undertaker and his gong that you just so despise. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rising Sun and Lucha Bros with Zero Miedo. And we'll see what Dan decides to to pick from the loot of the rest. He's got plenty to choose from. I mean, uh, hey, 
there, I mean, there were some that were definitely I'm willing to throw out as honorable mentions. I was definitely thinking about the Young Bucks uh, AEW theme Super Kick Party. That's uh, John Press and, and uh, John Moxley's Wild Thing also. Yeah, I even like the unscripted violence Moxley's original AEW theme. Um, I don't. I I, I like Roman Reigns's most uh, his current theme, the head of the table one. Um, and then some other old school ones that we didn't even mention. I mean, Randy Orton and John Cena's themes are, are classics, even if they're not the most like they're more so on the iconic scale, more so than just absolute bangers. And, and then DX is another one that you could throw into the mix there. Uh, and me personally, I'd always think about Seth Rollins's theme because that one that one kind of does it for me on the epic scale as well. Yeah, that's fair. I, I I can't argue with those. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of Ryan's Wrestling Recap. You got any final thoughts about All Out and the the, uh, the state of professional wrestling as it is currently? Yeah, no, I think we covered All Out pretty well. And, this, you know, the state of professional wrestling is uh, is a plethora of content right now. It's a great time. I, we've been saying this every week, but it's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan, so. Um, you know, AEW's really brought me back into the fold because for a while I wasn't watching any wrestling. You know, I was very out on it, but uh, fans are back and AEW's brought me back into the fold. So I'm pretty excited about that. So time to hop on board, folks. Yes, sir. So for Nick, I'm Ryan, and we will see you next week.